Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania, presented by PJ Dick. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Building PA Podcast, a construction industry podcast recorded right here in the great state of Pennsylvania. I am one of your hosts, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association. And I'm joined, uh, as always, by Chris. What's up, Chris? Hey, John. Just time to talk, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. But hey, uh, a little hiatus, right? Uh, but we're ready to go, and we're back, and uh, really uh, moving things forward. So, what are we talking about today, John? Today, you ready for this? We're going to talk uh, talk about some drones. You know, some drone Ooh. safety, some drone inspections, and. Uh, you know who better than the president of Ardia, Seth Zora. So, Seth, welcome to the show. Thank hey, you. Seth. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Yourself? Good. Yeah, not too bad. I'm enjoying this weather. We didn't have much of a winter, so I'm I'm happy to go right into spring. Absolutely. I could Especially do that all the rain. Yeah, all the rain. Yeah. Especially flying drones, man. That's got to be great to get out and have some spring time weather, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That was a, a beauty of it is the fact that we didn't have much winter, so we were a lot more busier than we normally would through that quarter. So it was good for our, our bottom line. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so uh, you want to introduce Ardia to, uh, to us? Yeah, absolutely. So we've yeah. been in business since uh, 2016. We are a veteran-owned drone service provider. We uh, work all through, I say the lower 48, we'd hit all 50 if anybody wants to uh, do projects in Hawaii or Alaska, but go. normally we're traveling, uh, we could be out in California, over to the East Coast, wherever we need to go. Uh, we've focused since 2016 strictly in the AEC sector, okay. trying to make sure that all of our services uh, help supply great data for anyone that's working within that. Uh, we have a small division, brand division, that will do, uh, we've coined it brand awareness, to be able to do marketing, videos, different things like that. So if there's a project, a uh, general contractor someone's working on, we can do it from start to finish, giving them something to uh, you know, share on their social media and whatnot. Okay. And uh, thank you for your service. It's always, always fun to promote a veteran-owned company and talk to a veteran-owned uh, company owner. I was, I, appreciate I was that. four years in the Navy. Well, thank you for your service as well. Yeah, yeah you bet. Yeah. Um, and you're based in Western PA, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. We're out by the Pittsburgh International Airport. Which, is it hard breaking into an industry that in some aspects can be set in its ways and you're, you're providing a new service, you know, to... To contractors that, that probably never used a drone before for the industry, was that difficult? Yeah. Uh, I would say initially, probably 2016 and 2017, absolutely. We were doing a lot of education, uh, setting up lunch and learns to kind of come in and, you know, not only talk about the services that we provide, but also do a little bit of convincing. Um, you know, the big issue that we've ran into uh, in the beginning stages, our infant stages of the company, was really proving to, say, the survey companies that when we're delivering data, it's actually going to be able to deliver the accuracies that they need. 
uh, and be able to back it up and follow through with a way for them to be able to check the accuracies. I think that now that we're into we're in our fourth year, um, it's somewhat now more commonplace that either someone has spoken with someone that's used a drone or they themselves have used drones on projects. So the apprehension initially is kind of no longer there. So it's it's definitely something we had to battle a bit with or uh, you know some of the issues that we ran into were in the early stages even before the FAA made it uh, mandated for us to get certified say 2014, 2015 when people were still using drones um, some of the issues that maybe those previous companies had on a job site we were now going in to kind of play cleanup and you know we would have to convince them that we were no, that we weren't going to have the issues that the previous company had, that we were safety-minded, that we were doing our due diligence to make sure that everything was on the up and up. So a lot of those initial issues we were kind of saddled with to prove that we were not going to replicate you know, the same problems. Okay. So you have a experience and background prior to launching your company. You were involved with, with drones. Is that correct? I'm sorry, say it again. So, so you have an experience with, with drone technology prior to starting your company, and that's kind of steered you in that, in that direction is what it sounds like? Yes. Yeah. Um, really what it was was I just was interested from a hobby standpoint. Um, when I had gotten, uh, when, when my wife and I got married, I used a little bit of our, uh, our money that we had received, and I purchased a drone. I thought it was interesting. I've always had a fascination with technology. So naturally, whenever you know you could start flying a drone, drones are different than the typical RC. You know, you have uh, helicopters, airplanes, but they're they take a, a heck of a lot more skill to be able to fly than your typical drone nowadays. Because drones, they're equipped with GPS, uh, so it makes it a lot easier. So I knew that if I was going to get involved with flying drones, um, being a novice at it if there was going to be any type of accidents, uh, it would be minimal. So it was something that kind of drew me to it to know that, okay, I could buy this, might break a prop or something here and there, a propeller, but beyond that, it wasn't going to be as catastrophic as if I was going to get into flying you know, helicopters. So that was the first pitch, and um, I just fell in love with it. And at the time, I owned another business doing screen printing and embroidery, completely sold that business off to get into this one, and it's been fantastic. Awesome. So, Seth, you mentioned that you uh, took some of your uh, wedding uh, gift money there. How does your wife think about this? What was her reaction to this? She, she thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, initially, um, you know, it, it started out as just being a toy, you know, and I think a lot of the, the misconception when we were first getting into the business, even when we would go in and have these talks with different companies is, you know, how can a toy help us? And that was a big hurdle that we had to overcome. And it was initially that way with my wife, you know, it, it was just something I flew around, really didn't do much with it, some video and some photos, and it looked cool. But then whenever I went back to her and I said, look, you know, I think this could really be a viable business. Um, she, I think her ears perked up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great. The, um, 
the aspect of a you you mentioned your skill, and and, and I have to admit I. I Kind of did the same thing you did. I went out and bought bought one. I got a DJI, I Phantom something or other. Um, was flying it um, and subsequently crashed it, and have yet to really kind of fix it and and, and do anything with it. But talk a little bit about the skill that you have. I mean, I know mine. When I was flying mine, you know, wind comes and forget it, it's gone. You know, like talk a little bit about some of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the physical. A lot of people don't realize when we get out onto a job site, I would say probably 85 to 90% of our work is already done. Um, we, up to the present point, we've always tried to remain far more advanced than our competition. And what I mean by that is our current drone that we have, we have, uh, it's called LiDAR. So it's a laser system that's uh, incorporated on the drone that we can do 3D modeling, we can do uh, laser ground scans. The bulk amount of my work that I need to do is planning those missions before I get out onto the site, making sure that I've already been to the site previously for due diligence and safety and make sure that there's no uh, hazards that we need to be aware of. So a lot of the physical flying of the drone is all autonomous. So it takes out a lot of the uh, issues, if you will, whereas if you're just kind of out there as a hobbyist, and then that's where I started, was just flying it around manually. You know, oh, this would look cool, let's fly over there and take a photo. This would be really cool, let's manually fly through and, you know, do a video of it. Now everything that we do has to be very, very uh, meticulous in the way that we're collecting the data, and the best way to do that is to let the machine do it itself. So a lot of times, once I get out to the site, I basically, again, will run through my checklist, make sure everything's good to go, make sure there's no safety issues, and then I basically hit uh, start. The drone takes off, and it flies the programmed flight. And as long as everything does, you know, up to that point, I've done all my planning properly, then everything's good to go. comes back to me, I review the data, and I'm basically on to the next step. So if... If I'm a contractor, I want to hire you. How many like how many people come out to your job? How many people are going to be on my job site um, to to do this? So it really depends on how big it is. You know, I mean, we've done jobs where it's myself, uh, and that's all I need. Uh, we just recently, this last summer, wrapped up a job where we were scanning 45 streets for PWSA. Basically, through that job, we were using the laser. Uh, to scan the actual road, create topography mapping so that once PWSA comes through and they uh, upgrade all the water lines, they can put the road back to the condition that it was. You know, they've already determined how that water flow needs to run and the pitch of the road, so all our data is for that. Now, you can imagine these 45 streets were all over Pittsburgh, so we, and for that type of job, I had myself plus two what we would refer to as visual observers. So those individuals were helping me keep an eye on the uh, drone if needed. Uh, also traffic, making sure that you know I could keep my eyes on the drone, but also make sure that if there was anything that was going to you know be a safety concern, we just had multiple eyes that were on it. Um, so it really just depends on how big the project is. We just finished another project down in Hazelwood. Uh, we did a hillside scan. It was two miles long. In that instance, I had myself and another person they were acting, again, as a visual observer. Uh, just mainly everything that we do is always going to be in the name of safety. 
So which, I'm sorry, John. I have a quick uh, one last question on that line of thinking. I'm sorry. So does with the lidar and, and your drones and and the, and the work does that then tie into like a GIS system or a BIM system or anything like that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of in that instance, we'll use the uh, project we did in Hazelwood. Um, that whole entire project is a wooded hillside. Uh, the city's working on putting in, I think it's called the Mon Oakland connector. It'll connect from over the backside of Oakland over into Hazelwood, and it'll basically give uh, people that are going to be living a little further away from Oakland an easier way to connect via bike and different mobility paths and whatnot. Why we got involved was because it was heavily wooded, and to have a traditional survey done through there, it just would have taken too long, and it would have just been too too thick of a dense to be able to try to get accurate data. So in that instance, you know, we just went out there, we scanned it. Uh, our client was for Michael Baker was who wanted the data. Michael Baker turned around and took that three-dimensional point cloud and pulled out just the ground level to get the topography. So at that point, they're either kicking it over to the survey crew and they're doing their stuff, um, or if they wanted to know, you know, in an instance of BIM, as you mentioned, we did a recent project where they're converting a school over for the Pittsburgh SWAT. We did a full scan of the outside of that building. Then uh, Buchard Horn will go in there with that data, and they're going to be able to get measurements off of windows, uh, the roof. There's uh, cellular equipment that's on the roof. They'd be able to get, you know, distances from that equipment. So really, it just depends on you know the type of ending deliverable that the client needs or the data, I guess, on how they'll extrapolate it. Yeah, this is the the Building PA podcast. We're talking with uh, Seth Zorro of Aurodia, and uh, Seth, I was wondering um, when it comes to the drones, you know, number one, who's hiring you? Is it the owner, contractor, engineer, architect? Um, and also, you mentioned safety a few times. Is is OSHA involved at all? I mean, do they do they review the safety inspections and have you seen that at all? And, and do they hire you at all? Does the government, you know, employ you? Sure. So, a lot of our clients we're seeing uh, civil engineers, uh, surveying companies. We're usually bring you know being uh, brought in as a part of the team for the proposal stage. So the two uh, clients that I mentioned, say Michael Baker. Michael Baker brought us in as part of the team. Uh, we submitted our cost. They put it all together for the package. Then that goes over to the city. Um, and then from there, it's decided who gets. Uh, same with Buchard Horn. You know, we, we've worked with them a couple times. The PWSA project that I mentioned, they were the ones that were hiring us. Uh, a lot of times, it's, it's one of the things where we're not really recreating um, a brand new tool, I guess you could say. You know, we're just we're able to turn around and take something, say a traditional survey, and expand on it exponentially. Because when we're flying over with our laser, just to give you an idea, on an open area, we're able to usually get about a hundred individual points per meter square. So if you were thinking in a traditional surveying method, you know, they're generally going to go out there and just collect one point move over to another location further away, another one point. In that one meter square section, we have 100 individual points. 
So we really start to give a lot clearer, more definitive look at, say, topography in a lot quicker and generally a lot cheaper method than what it would take for someone to give an equal amount of deliverable. Now, you know, for the safety side of things, OSHA is not really heavily involved. What we've done from a company standpoint is we've gone ahead and I've uh, put us through the OSHA 10-hour, knowing that we're going to be out in these various different environments that we need to be, you know, we need our head on a swivel, so to speak, and to be able to make sure that we know what we're looking for, the OSHA 10-hour was the best option for us. Um, you know, coming from a military background, I want to be as prepared or more prepared than I should be. So that was the decide, you know, deciding factor for us was even though it's not something we're required to do, it made perfect sense for us to be able to say, you know what, we've taken the extra initiative to make sure that we are taking your safety as well as ours on your job site serious. This is what we've done to make sure that you know we're taking it serious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris, I don't, Chris know about, I don't know about you, but uh, when I get home, get my daughter on <laughs> Hell, I, I need to get mine fixed <laughs> so yeah. I can play. I admit it, it. Mine is a hobby. Mine is nothing like Seth's. I'm not going to be a comp competitor. I love the fact that you're you're being proactive in, in taking OSHA 10 and you know really trying to be that proactive approach. So that's the partner that most general contractors don't don't hear of. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you have to do to prepare for being on the job site? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times after we've met with a client and, you know, they're, they're starting to think about projects that they can fit us into, the very first thing that we always ask for is usually, you know, Google Earth is somewhat of a go-to, it seems like, in, in the AEC world. So we ask that they go in do a boundary outline of wherever the project is and where they need to have data collected and basically just shoot us over an email with that KML. And what that does for us is, one, I know exactly where we need to go to. You know, some of these projects that we've worked on, we've done work for the oil and gas industry and it's out in the middle of nowhere. So there's really not an address to say, hey, you know, we need you to go down to Smithfield Street. You know, in that instance, the uh, KML basically is just built off of your typical lat long coordinates. At that point, I can go in there and I can say, okay, I know where, where we're at, how far is this away from us, what's it going to take for us to get there, what's it going to take for me to get to this location. You know, some of the oil and gas locations could be fairly remote, so do I need to have my ATV ready? Different things that I just need to know ahead of time. Uh, but the main thing that I get out of that location is to research the airspace restriction. You know, we're flying a drone in an area that could be, you know, where I'm at. I'm right on the outside of uh, the border of Pittsburgh International Airport. So if it's one of those areas that falls in a restricted airspace, we need to research that and determine, you know, what is it going to take for us to get the approval to fly there. Uh, luckily, you know, the FAA has been very quick in responding to how our industry is fitting into the rest of the world. Uh, they were quick to create a system for us to now be able to get basically instantaneous uh, authorizations in those restricted airspace. Uh, there are some smaller airports that it requires us to put in a manual authorization. Um, 
but usually if it's one of those areas, it's a couple week process. It's not too difficult to get. Uh, once we know where we fall in the restrictions, then depending on how far away it is, I'll either visit the site in person or I'm at least trying to pull up Google Earth, uh, Google Street View, and just get an idea of what I'm working with. Because, you know, it, it could be as easy as the one job we did and it was all woods and I'm 200 feet above the tree line and I really don't have any concerns. The other projects that we've started working on are doing building inspections downtown, um, or rather gathering the data for an inspector to do. Uh, at least in Pittsburgh, you know, each building needs to be inspected every five years. So it's a natural fit for us to be able to use a drone downtown, fly on the outside of the building, collect a series of you know, photos, and then turn those over either to an architect or a uh, structural engineer. They can gather their data, their intel, whatever you want. Be able to turn around and say, you know, we need to look at these areas on the building or the building looks good. In that type of instance, you know, I want to be on site. I want to look at the building. I want to get an idea how many stories, what are the buildings next to it look like. Just really get an idea of what I'm up against when it comes time for me to actually start flying. Mm -hmm. Now, once we get there and we start, you know, putting together the proposal, goes to the client, they approve it, we're ready to start planning. Then I refer back to that same KML and I use that same KML boundary to actually set up my flight plans. And what that does is that guarantees me that I'm supplying to the client exactly what they need. Set up the flight plan, get everything ready. We're ready on the day. We get out there, run through all of our checklists. We have a series of checklists for going through our aircraft, going through what's on site, uh, any phone calls that we need to make, because depending on where we're at, you know, we might need to reach out to 911, give them a heads up, hey, we're flying here, just want to let you know. There's various different steps from the safety aspect as well as, you know, from the perception. Because, you know, as soon as you start flying drones near anyone's house, everyone can start getting a little bit apprehensive about that. We want to make sure that all of the parties that are involved, from the police all the way down to, you know, the granular of our level, we're making sure that everyone is involved. And if they do get phone calls, they have an answer. No, it's not somebody spying. No, they're doing something, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, they know ahead of time. And basically, once we go through and we collect the data on site, we'll make sure that the data is good. Uh, everything's good. Then we come back and we start processing it. And that's pretty much it. You definitely sound like you have, uh, have it all covered. So um, I'm curious, though. You mentioned the KML. Uh, can you explain what that acronym stands for? Oh, geez. You're going to put me on a spot here. KML, <laughs> I think it's, it's a key markup language, something that Google came up with. And basically, when you go into Google Earth uh, and you start drawing any type of a polygon, any type of a symbol in Google Earth, and you go over to that uh, left-hand panel and you right-click Save As, KML is basically the format of the file that comes out of Google Earth. So it's basically just a way for you to go in there and draw, if it's a building, you know, four corners around the building. This is where the building is. This is what I need you to cover. And it just gives me a way to basically narrow down exactly where the client needs us to be. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, Seth, thank you for joining us on the Building PA podcast. For, for those that are listening, um, Share with us how you can, you know, how you can get a hold of 
Seth and 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 your company and what 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 they how how can we find you is what I guess what I'm trying to say I can't get it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, no worries. I knew where you were heading. Uh, Thank you. So yeah, our, our website is airdia.com, A-E-R-D-I-A.com. Uh, we're on all the different social media platforms. The easiest thing to do would be to reach out to me probably directly at Zora Z O R A period S at airdia.com, A-E-R-D-I-A.com, uh, or you can reach us via phone at 724-693-8292. Very cool. Well, good. Well, Seth, thank you for joining us today and, and having a chance to enlighten us a little bit on uh, drones and, and their uh, the skill and, and, and what's needed to help uh, the, the industry. So thank you for that. And more episodes are coming. You can find more at buildingpapodcast.com. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast presented by PJ Dick. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.